Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of the Holding Court podcast. Today, we're talking about a Coastal Plain League team that has the town split. We're chatting a couple new documentaries that we watched, and we'll also chat with chef, restaurateur, TV personality, and founder of Brodo Bone Broth, Marco Canora, all coming up right now on Holding Court. Boom. Did you have your teammates lined up after CT's episode trying to get some of the mojo? No. No. Not quite, but I mean, I've been on every episode but one of your shows and I'm still waiting for that mojo. I did hit my first homer though. Okay. I don't think it, it's a guest. It's so I, Oh yeah, you're right. Like Millar and, and Rose aren't hitting any homers on. They IT. might be. Well, Millar hit, went deep in his St. Paul St. Game when he came back. So the, the hosts do hit homers. <laughs> Chris Rose ain't hitting any homers. Let's, let's just be honest. He's okay. not hitting a ball out of the infield. Okay. Well, I'm just saying CT came on the show and chatted with us, talked about his event and had a really great game. I'm just saying. Yeah, that HK mojo. <laughs> the HK mojo. So let me know if anyone, I mean, I'm sure it's during the, it's spring training now. So guys are still tinkering with everything and trying to get comfortable. But I feel like my. CT's would, not tinkering. He's locked in. No, I mean, other fellas that might oh, not yeah. be thinking they need us just quite yet. But I think during the season, if anyone hits any sort of a lull, they're going to be texting you like, hey, got any of that HK mojo? We just got to spread the word. We got to spread the word. Yeah. And we get t-shirts made. It's true. It's possible. We need to have merch. I feel like that's the sign of a successful podcast. You think anyone would buy our merch? Why did you say it like that? I don't. I was just asking a question. I have stickers, by the way. It was kind of... And now that people know that, I'm going to get messages. It was kind of rhetoric. I was hoping like someone would comment like please make merch for merch because i had my i had my mask last year yeah and people were asking about that and then i had we have stickers i had stickers they're very popular i know oh you're very popular i am it's true (laughs) speaking of chris taylor a alum of the coastal plain league have you been looking at this news it's not i guess it's not well they're trying they're trying some new things we talked about rule changes that major league baseball is going to kind of implement through some of the minor league systems to kind of try out and there's a team that is trying out a lot of wacky, wacky things, just so wild and silly, but they're (laughs) trying out some things to speed up the game, keep people entertained, keep the fans there the entire game. And you know me, I love the game of baseball. I'm anti like robo umps and all of this stuff, but you know, I get down with a minor league team. And when you did some of your rehab games with the Mets or whatever. I mean, I see some of the greatest things of all time at minor league games, the hot dog horse that just rides around. 
yeah, and throws hot dogs to the crowd. And I think I went to a Nickelodeon day where they just sprayed the entire crowd for no reason and no one's where was mad that at one? it. Where was that one? Um, maybe. It wasn't Binghamton. I want to say you were playing like the Rock Cats or something. I don't know. It was. Oh, one it was Binghamton. We were on the road though. Yes. Yeah. So we were away right. and you were playing the Rock Cats, I mm-hmm. think. There's a few. Double A with the Mets. I just love, so I dream of running a minor league team because you there's just no rules. You can really kind of do anything. And I feel like this team is just taking it to the extreme. And it everyone, I mean, they're selling out their games. So it's obviously working, but it's just a little wacky if we want to chat about some of their rules that they have. Well, I don't know a whole lot about them, but from like surface level reading on this squad um they (laughs) almost they almost seem like the harlem globetrotters of baseball yeah the way that they're looking for entertainment over quality of baseball and I, i think there was actually a quote that they said you know most teams try to put a good product on the field and then hope that the fans show up and they kind of flipped the script and wanted to provide entertainment for the fans and then hope that, you know, the baseball would be good. And they actually, they compared themselves to a hot dog stand. Mm. And they said, uh, baseball is the plain old boring hot dog. And they are bringing all of the condiments, the ketchup, the mustard, the relish, the onions. Oh, wow. And providing it for the fans. So that, was, that was kind of my language. I like that little analogy. Yeah. That they, they made. They said baseball is the boring old hot dog. I love that. Some of their rules are, I think the one that everyone, it was kind of in all of the headlines was if a fan catches a ball in the stands. A foul ball. It's an out. A foul ball. Yes. Yeah. That's a little wacky. That's a little wacky, <laughs> but I mean, fans go crazy after foul balls anyway. And now you're giving them an opportunity to actually participate in the game, right? They're they're influencing the outcome of the game. Yeah, bring so your love, fellas. And as gals. as as intense as it already is, when a foul ball goes in the stands, because everyone wants to get it, whether it's for themselves or for their kids or their friends' kids or whatever. Now it's like you're actually recording an out. So I I mean I would love to just witness a scramble for a foul ball in one of these games. I think it's hilarious. I wouldn't want to be the hitter. I mean, do you remember <laughs> and Sydney when you guys opened up there, the cricket grounds, every they wanted just to see foul balls and they didn't want to see home runs. They didn't even care. So a little context on this Sydney that Court's talking about. On this Sydney. We this wacky place. In 2014, my first year with the Dodgers, we opened our season in Sydney, Australia, and we literally played in a cricket stadium that they converted to a baseball stadium. And in cricket, there are balls that get hit into the stands, but they're not allowed to keep them. They have to throw them back onto the field or the pitch. And so when we got over there to play our three-game series against the Diamondbacks and the fans, you can kind of like sense that they were all figuring out as the game was going on that they got to keep the balls because they didn't really give a crap about what was going on during the game. Like someone got a hit, someone hit a home run. It was like, oh, yay, cool. 
But every time there was a foul ball that went in the stands, it was like craziness and standing ovations and cheering because they were finding out that they got to keep the ball. Yeah. It was was wild. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, my brother still brings his glove. I think now with the netting and everything, it makes the foul balls a little more challenging, but I'm stoked to sit in the home run seats at Dodger Stadium. I know. I wonder, I, I didn't even think about that. Those are, honestly, if you guys get a chance, I know obviously we have limited capacity right now and tickets probably aren't the easiest to come by and hopefully everything continues to get better and we can get back to our packed house ways. If you get an opportunity to sit in the home run seats in left center or right center, um, I'm telling you, uh, they're unbelievable seats. Probably the best place in the stadium to watch a game. I actually sat out there and watched a little bit <laughs> yeah, you were in a little some of creep. the games. Uh, <laughs> they caught you on camera. Yeah, I, I, I took some took some games in. I think we played the Diamondbacks, I think, right before the season started, the 60 game. Oh, And yes. I was sitting out in the outfield uh-huh. watching the game, and it was, I mean, it's a great seat. It's a great ticket. I have this dream of catching, it doesn't even have to be like your home run or even a home run ball, just me having this like incredible moment of catching a ball during a game. And maybe it'll happen in those seats. I threw you a ball in Pittsburgh once. Yeah. Well, I threw it to you and was it Corey's dad? Yes. Corey's dad jacked it, right? He did. And then he turned around and was like, oh, did you want this? Yeah. I, it's going to happen. I know it's going to, I don't know when, but I'm ready. And now I think I need to sit out there and have my glove ready to go. Well, you got to bring your glove. It's true. Okay. Let's break down some of these rules. Okay. Every inning counts. The team that scores the most runs in an inning gets a point. The first team to five points wins the game. The inning is over once the home team takes the lead or three outs are recorded on the home team. Wait, so... It's not even like a run scored. It's just the most runs. Oh, so if like if the home team or the visiting team scores one run and the home team scores one run, then it's just a wash. There's no points. But if the home team scores four and the visiting team only scores three, then the home team gets a point. And then they played a five. Uh-huh. And then there's... But does the game like keep going until you get to five or is it only nine innings? No innings will start after a two-hour point. If a team has not reached five points, the game will go to a showdown tiebreaker. So wait, is the showdown tiebreaker your home run derby? (laughs) Each team picks one pitcher and one hitter to face off. The defensive team only has the pitcher and catcher on the field. All other fielders are off the field. If a hitter puts the ball in play, he has to score and make it home to get a point. If the ball is put in play, the pitcher is allowed to chase down the ball and throw the ball to the catcher for a play at the plate. If a pitcher strikes him out or gets him out before scoring, he doesn't get a point. If the batter walks, he can take second base, and the hitting team will bring another hitter to the plate. First team to reach five-point wins if the score is tied. The first team to keep the other team from scoring wins. Can you break that down for us in your expert analysis? Oh, my God. I just got a headache. So it's not a home run derby. (laughs) I don't know what that is. That's wild. So there's... So basically, no one on the field. No one on the field. You just hit the ball as far as you can. And then the pitcher has to, after he's pitching, has to chase the ball down and then fire it back to home. So essentially, you just want your fastest guy hitting, not your best hitter. 
Yeah, and it says if the batter walks, he can take second base, and the hitting team will bring another hitter to the plate. So it's not just one. But then also, so it's basically like the hitter is, so like in Little League, right? <laughs> like they'd say you hit all 13 players on your team or however many, so that last hitter, you always just tell them, hey, don't stop. Just keep running because the inning's over. Like yeah. they don't play three outs. They uh-huh. hit all 13 hitters. Um, So it's basically like that. It's like the last hitter, like – you hit the ball and you just keep running until you're either out or safe. So I guess you're essentially putting your fastest. Yeah. You want your fastest hitter up or someone that will just, yeah, but it's like, if you hit it over the fence, it's just a Homer. I'm assuming. Yeah. So you can either hit a Homer or you put your fastest guy up and try to guarantee that he's going to run. And you have to have a very agile pitcher as well that can field. Can you look up what the fastest like home to home time is in like Major League Baseball, like Billy Hamilton or someone? Like, I wonder. I can do that for you. Like 14 (laughs) seconds, maybe less. I don't know. Because like under four seconds to first base is running pretty fast. So it's probably going to be like 13, 12, 13 seconds is motoring home to home. Okay. I think we've got. Oh. Is it Billy Hamilton? No. Who? 2017. I'm assuming this is the Minnesota Twins outfielder. Buxton? Yeah. Yeah, he's fast. 13.85. Inside the park home run against the Diamondbacks. But then it said... I'm betting on the pitcher being able to get run a sprint to the outfield fence. It says D was 3.89 seconds. So that's, I mean, that was in 2014. Your to first, first. Uh huh. Yeah. Against the Rockies. Yeah. Under force modern three errors. It was ruled a triple. Um, that is why I don't even know if I get to first in 13.85 seconds. But. I'm trying to think. So like usually center field's 400 feet. Obviously the pitcher's mound is 60 feet away. So, if the guy hits the ball, Carry the, the one. <laughs> if the guy hits the ball to the center field wall, like he has to run 340 feet, pick up the ball, and then chuck it home. Yeah, I'm betting on the pitcher. That's got to be hard to score. Yeah, we're gonna have to watch some footage on this. Okay, yeah. no stepping out of the you, box. Yeah, you'd be bad. That's at a rule. That. We we have that rule. We, and let, if you swing or foul a ball off, you can step out. But otherwise, you're this supposed is at to stay any in. point. It's a strike. Okay. So you got to stay there. No bunting. I like that. What? <laughs> You've changed. You've changed. Batters can steal first. If a pass ball or wild pitch happens during any pitch of an at-bat, the batter can take off to first. You know what's so funny? And I say this all the time in the dugout, is when a guy's got two strikes on him and a pitcher, like, spikes a curveball that obviously, like, no one would ever swing at and it bounces to the backstop, I always yell, swing and run! because <laughs> it's like drop third strike it's like well, hey just want to get on base the savannah bananas have we even said the name of the team yet we, no, we haven't no, no we did no we haven't well savannah bananas there it is i just like saying it and then no walks allowed if the pitcher throws the fourth ball it becomes a sprint are you ready for this the hitter will take off sprinting to first while the catcher has to throw the ball around to every defensive player on the field before it becomes live the hitter can advance to as many bases as he can before the ball becomes live. The ball does not have to touch the catcher or pitcher. 
So it has to go to the left fielder, center fielder, right fielder, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, and uh-huh. then it, and then it's live. And no mound visits allowed, and the foul, yeah, the foul ball one. So here's my issue because this team is obviously kids that are playing college baseball. And I even think about this when you guys have rule changes, like the slide rule. I feel like that is something that you're just so used to and like the way that you go about things. When you go and play a summer in this circus of a team, how hard is it to like go back? Remember, like I'm reading this stuff and it's taking me like two or three times to read it and process it. How do you even remember like, oh, that's a walk. Let's you know, throw it around the diamond and make sure we do like, it just seems like my entire mind would be so filled with trying to remember all of the stuff that I don't even know how they're winning game. And it says like some years they were like in the lead and their division. I don't know what, how the coastal plain league works, but they're winning games. So obviously they're no. And then what is that for the, like the team they're playing? It's just, yeah, so, that's, that's the question I have. I, these are the Savannah banana rules, but what happens when another team in the league is playing another team? Like, are they, do they play normal baseball rules or is everyone playing Savannah banana this rules? This might just be for the banana ball that they do. Cause they want to like take this on a tour and like do a whole thing. So I feel like they, they might just be sampling. I, I assume that they're baseball cause they look like a looking at their team photo. They look like a, just like your standard team and so i think that maybe these might be like a few games that they're like toying with well i'm wondering too like so there's no way they would be able to do this in like a normal setting and have it. no yeah. and and so these collegiate summer leagues so there's like you know the alaskan league and the northwoods league and the cape cod league and there's a california league and obviously i don't know what's happening now because of the pandemic how many leagues there are but you know, they, they recruit like these collegiate teams, like call colleges and recruit and try to get players because they want to be competitive and they want to win. So how do the Savannah bananas call, you know, what is it? John Savage at UCLA and say, Hey, I want, uh, I want Garrett Cole to come and, and I want Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer to come play for the Savannah bananas so I think that the banana ball is like the separate thing. I think it's like a wacky, like they play a few games like that because they're trying to like change baseball and make it more exciting. I'm imagining their season would not be able to go like this. Yeah. Someone let know. us know because our minds are blown. But right it now. would be, I mean, as a fan, it would probably be fun to go watch and entertaining. Oh, they say, I mean, they've sold out like every single game even Did you in say their, like 80 something games in a row or yeah something? it said they're on like some crazy streak that's, but that's awesome you know i did play for the dayton dragons who had like a 12 year sellout streak and we didn't do any wacky stuff but they had like a they had like a six-story dragon who yes. breathed fire every oh, time yes. someone hit a homer so that was cool yeah, I love those. But things. that was like the thing to do in Dayton. Like you, yeah. What are you doing? You're going to a baseball game. Yeah, definitely. Their basketball team's sneaky good. Yeah, it seems like they have a banana ball world tour planned. There's a lot of things. So this team was actually, I mean, it was pretty much they were bankrupt, correct? Well, it's before they even named it or figured it out. Like this couple. Yeah, sold it's, their the, house it's actually their second franchise that they minor league franchise that they bought into and. Sold their house, moved into this duplex that was, they said, was awful. They said, 
the uh, wife woke up the husband one night screaming because there was a cockroach on his face while he was sleeping in this duplex. I mean, they obviously... And that was all they could afford. It's wor- Their formula is working. They've turned 100%. it around, and this place seems like it's popping. So one day we'll have to take in a Savannah banana. I want to go as yeah. a guest. Maybe, maybe uh, well, it's the summer league, so it'll have to be whenever I'm done playing. Yeah. Um, But... The promotional things were kind of cool, like when they first decided to name the team the Savannah Bananas, which they decided on a newspaper contest, by the way, where a thousand people wrote in and, <laughs> and gave suggestions, and they decided on the Bananas. But they wanted to have a elderly dance team and call them the Banana Nanas. I love it. Uh, they wanted to throw bananas from the top deck to like the field level, and people had to try to catch them in their pants and they call it the banana in the pants oh wow yeah they had they had some great like <laughs> promotional ideas spinoffs off of bananas i love it there's a lot of banana puns out there that there, are appealing yeah you you opened the show with one you didn't catch the one i just dropped uh, they're very appealing yes i did <laughs> you opened the show with one they're splitting the town i know they said some people were mad and saying they were like gonna ruin the town like the people with the like flames yeah. and the pitchforks and all that yeah uh, if anyone knows more about this please fill us in let us know yeah i think i mean anything that's generating revenue in this town i think it's great everyone's having fun it's there's a buzz around it, I think. Should I order some Savannah banana gear and send it to Kike? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It is cool. Um, yeah, it's fun. It caught my eye when I saw that, the foul ball out thing, because I feel like that's, I mean, I see, pe- I mean, being back at games in spring training, I mean, people are like, they lose their mind over a foul ball. Mm-hmm. And now it's so much more exposed because everyone's spread out. I don't think I've seen a fan catch a fall ball yet except like one guy I saw catch a home run in the like out in the lawn seats and he did like a full like somersault barrel no yeah the no shirt guy yes okay we were playing the royals okay he had like two catches I'm like this guy's all over the place yeah. it was unbelievable he was doing like cartwheels and somersaults and stuff it was unreal that was where was that at um, that was the royal surprise yeah surprise he caught it it was, yeah, it's wild, and I'm here for all of it. It's been, it's been nice. Before we move on, you said something about a player who, like, in three year, different years had, like, three different jobs. It was like he started as, like, a, he was, like, a ticket salesman, and then he was, like, a vendor in the stands, and then on, by the third year, he actually was, like, on the team playing. So, thir- so he started as, yeah, I think, like, a vendor, and then he ran the Jumbotron. <laughs> he was a bartender and then i think he said by his fourth year now he's on the team oh that's great and they like dance and stuff too like the oh, first yeah. base coach break dances <laughs> and yeah. like the players do like the the pitchers that aren't pitching are doing like dances in between innings and stuff it reminds so me of the like dominican there's league. no shortage of fun i you know i was thinking that it like that was they had full yes. dance parties yes. i i mean i bought an entire rotisserie chicken in the stands and like plantains out of a bucket it was fantastic it really i think they do it i mean that is a that is it's a party at yeah every game. in a different way it sounds a very similar to the dominican where they really just concentrate on enjoying the game and loving the game and then you know the best of the game comes out because there's guys aren't pressing and trying so hard and all that stuff so yeah i i think 
that's probably why they've had some uh, they've actually had some successful teams. It's only been five year, four or five years they've been there, and I think they've had the best record in the league a couple of years. So yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of entertainment, we've actually we're out of our bachelor bubble, and we're finally starting to dig into some of these documentaries. You know, I love a good documentary, and there were actually two new ones on Netflix that we watched, and I don't even think we really talked about what we thought about the Operation Varsity Blues one. Yeah, I we didn't discuss it, but it's just as a guy who went to college and was on a scholarship and on the bare minimum at Cal State Fullerton my first year on books and tuition, like it just sucks. It sucks that they were paying money to take up spots away from other kids who, who were actual athletes and in those sports. Like that's my kind of take on it. I just can't believe that this guy. So if you haven't watched it, it's, I'm sure everyone heard about it because of like the Lori Laughlin and all of that stuff. So these wealthy parents were finding this, what did they say? It was like the side, side door. door. Yeah. So they're like, there's the front door and that's getting into college on merit and talent and ability. There's the back door that doesn't really guarantee you, but this guy, Rick Singer had a side door. And so these families would make these substantial donations to the program and Rick as well. Obviously he was making money off so of to it. Rick's foundation. Yeah. And they would say like, Oh, you bought us a new this, or you bought us a new whatever. And so basically paying to get these kids in college, but they like, none of them played these sports like, and the photos it's unbelievable. The rowing team photos for USC they just like put their daughters on a rowing machine in like an LA fitness and like took a photo and sent it <laughs> in. Bad. And then they were like, Oh, we're going to Photoshop her like rowing on a Creek and get her in. And it's just weird because I feel like people knew this was happening. Like talking to friends that like went to SC and different schools, like they knew this was kind of happening, but it's just mind blowing that it was allowed to get to this point. And however many hundreds of kids I feel like that this happened to, I don't know the photos. I, it just blows my mind. Like, and no one, I mean, they took a, what was it? A admissions officer or like a no a counselor, counselor, high school counselor. Oh yeah. Cause the, Blew these, the whistle. these girls got in and they were, cause I remember in high school getting decisions back from schools and like my counselor called me into the office and was like, congrats, you got into IU. Oh my gosh. I know you were waiting on that letter and da 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 and like different things. So I feel like your counselor's pretty involved and like knows obviously. Yeah, I actually had a signing day where they like sat us down and did like a mini. It was like my first like mini like presser, like announcing what college you're going to. (laughs) No, but I feel like your counselor is very involved and knows your grades and knows your athletic ability. And it's just so wacky that these kids were able to get into these and not just like college, like prestige college like Stanford and USC but like (laughs) (laughs) what was that not a prestige college no it is it is it is it is it is I was just trying to throw it at you to see if you picked it up Uh, yeah um but no like it's it's just wild that it was able to go on and it's sad for other kids and you watch I mean one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube is college decision videos like you can go down a full 
rabbit hole of kids watching. Some of those are tough to watch though. Yeah. And their whole families are there and their friends are there. Or they're by themselves and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm about to log on. Cause now I feel like you get your online acceptance now before you used to get like the big pack in the mail that congrats. Yay. But now it's, you get your login and it tells you like your decisions online. So kids go on and log in and they watch it and it's just heart wrenching to see that, you know, kids knock it in and know that a spot went to someone that didn't. And some of these kids were like, I don't even want to go to college. I hate school. Like I'm the most miserable when I'm in school. And you're like, okay, well then why did your parents pay $500,000 for you to go? And the documentaries, it's kind of, it's done with actors and they use actual sound that from wiretaps and all that. And it's, I love the acting because it reminds me of a Lifetime movie. So mm-hmm. I feel like it was, it was good. It was interesting. It's just, yeah, I found, I feel like it was like unreal that it was able to go. The other interesting far. part to me that I'm not sure I like fully wrap my head around, but I like, it seemed that the kids actually had no idea. Yeah. That their parents were buying their way into school, the way they went about it and the way they did it. Like they actually thought they were taking these ACTs and these, these college exams, um, but they were really filling out fake tests. And then that the seemed to other be like, guy was coming in and whatever. That seemed to be like the biggest thing that all the parents were concerned about. They, they would say, I don't want my kid to know. Yeah. How will my daughter find out or how will they not find out? Or they're going to know, they're going to wonder like my kid isn't a, a sailor (laughs) or whatever. Like (laughs) they're going to know, like suddenly if my mom was like, Hey, you're going to college and you are a rower. I'd be like, well, that's cool. I went kayaking in Mexico twice. So I guess sure. (laughs) sign me up. I'm glad. Wow. They're really just giving these scholarships away. This is unbelievable. And then they're like, by the way, that is the Pogue pool that we now own that we have yeah, <laughs> donated. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm buying that the kids didn't know. They were probably just like rolled their eyes and they're like, okay, I'll go to college. Sure. I don't know. The it's, one mom was like, my my younger daughter's brilliant and a genius, oh but my gosh. older daughter's not that smart. And I, I was know. just like, and oh wonder, my God, that's got to be so brutal. And back. Yeah. And like seeing that. I don't know. So if you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix. Um, check it out. It was better than we watched the last blockbuster one as well and i feel like i had such high hopes for that one because i'm such a nostalgia person and it just seemed like a collection of people talking about why they miss a video store and less about i was so interested in like the details of like getting down to this like final franchise and what is her communication like with blockbuster and like the details of everything and it just seemed like they picked a bunch of random people and made them tell their story and it just kind of was like they kind of went into it but it was just i thought it was poorly done i think they could have done a much better job but it made me like really miss because i feel like going to the video store i remember we had two or three like family owned video stores in our hometown and then the blockbuster came in and it was i mean they did when they opened the blockbuster i remember in my little hometown they did like the batman lights like you know the (laughs) The big, what are those called? The spotlights. The Batman lights. But they fully had, that's what they remind me of, like the Batman like signal. And I mean, you know my hometown. It's like for that to be there for like the blockbuster coming in and they had a popcorn maker and like swag and they gave you like t-shirts and all this. And we're like, wow, big living. And 
I don't know. It's they were obviously like more expensive than like the small town ones, and then eventually the smaller ones closed, and then Blockbuster was there, and then obviously we know what happened to Blockbuster. But I don't know. I had high hopes for that one. It just made me feel kind of like unsatisfied. There was it. really only one part of the documentary that like was nostalgic for me that got me, and I was like, oh my god, I missed that. And that's when the guy had the VHS box, and he was like snapping the oh, three yeah. sides, and I was like, oh my god, like. I love doing that. Like that sound, like that sound of closing up the VHS was. Well, because the family video stores would just have the boxes and then you'd have to like see if it was there. But Blockbuster, that was one of their big things was the videos were on the shelf. So Mm -hmm. you would know. And they also guaranteed like any new releases. They would say like, we have 5,000 copies of Titanic. Come get it. And. So they, they had like a different model, but I just remember that in the smaller stores, like going and find, even like renting like video games or a scary movie and being like, it's here or like, it's out or like going to the counter and being like, is that one back yet? Like, did anyone return it? And they're like, oh no, it's not due back until whatever, or it's been late. It's been late for a couple of days. And I don't know. It was funny that they highlighted and made it a point to make sure that there was no, they, everyone knew that there was no adult section in a, in a blockbuster <laughs> and they actually highlighted it in the documentary I know they like, had those in the family ones with like the weird like beaded curtains yeah. and you're like what's beyond that <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, interesting man. that's another one on netflix i love the I, like one-offs because i feel like we've been so like i don't know like grandpa and grandma-ish in spring training and going to bed early so i feel like i love the I, it's tough because you get on a series and there's seven episodes and they're an hour each and we're all, and it just starts playing them. It's like, keep going. Like, we're just going to start your next episode in three, two, one. Yeah, it really it's sucks like, you in. It's Tracker very beam. seamless. And so I like the kind of, these are, I think they were each like an hour and a half. And I feel like yeah. that's good for like a one night to check it off. And we'll get back into the longer series when... We have I, I think time, the blockbuster <laughs> is definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I, I mean, it yeah, just wasn't. It. it didn't really live up to the what we had hoped, but I still think it's worth it because, man, yeah, we miss blockbuster. I know for sure. I know. I'm. Everything's going in like a technology instant direction. It's making me sad. I think I was born like a little late for who I am. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) All right. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. We have a guest today. We're excited about. We've obviously, I feel like this whole 30 and this meal plan and this healthy lifestyle kind of thing has taken on a little (laughs) mind of its own life. More than we thought it was going to. Yeah. I mean, I get it. There's definitely, there's always interest in it and it's spring and everyone's fresh and looking for ideas of things to do. And so it's exciting. I mean, I think it's just, it's, I don't know. I just think a lot of times things are silly like that when they get a lot of attention, but it is cool to have people asking us and, you know, getting feedback and saying, Oh, I'm trying this. I'm on day, whatever. What have you been using? And kind of like, cause I love interacting and offering recipes and ideas and all that. So one of the things that we've been using and having for lunch is bone broth. And so we came across this company, Brodo Bone Broth out of New York, and it's incredible. And I just feel like any sort of thing, because that was kind of the big trip up for us was, okay, breakfast is easy. We kind of eat the same thing that we've always ate. Dinner, obviously easy. And then there's kind of that lunch where we're kind of trying to figure out 
Can't do a sandwich, no bread. Can't do a sandwich, no. So just trying to figure out different ways and then obviously, you know, researching this and figuring out different benefits and all of that. Um, it was just cool. So was excited to have a guest pop up that was willing to come on here and chat with us. So Marco Canora. So he is a chef, restaurateur, TV personality. He's been on the next Iron Chef and Chopped and Top Chef. He was willing to come on and chat with us about the bone broth. And he's also done Whole30 as well. So it's always cool to find other people and be able to, you know, hear from their experiences as well and just learn. And so we're excited to have him on and teach him, teach us. Maybe we'll teach him something. You never know. It's true. Um, (laughs) Teach us a little bit about this and hear about his journey and also what it was like having a restaurant in New York during a pandemic too. And what that was like, because obviously things were really, really terrible there as well. So yeah, we're excited to, to bring him on. Let's do it. Let's get him on here. Alrighty. Hi, Marco. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Why don't we just jump right into it and tell us a little bit about yourself and how you first got into bone broth. Well, thanks for having me. It's pretty exciting to be chatting with you guys. Um, and you know, I'm a chef by trade and I've, I've, I sit now in, in my restaurant in the East village of Manhattan. It's called hearth. Um, and we've been here for 17 years. And before that, I worked for Tom Colicchio at Kraft and, you know, of, of top chef fame. I worked for him at Grammar's Tavern and, and Kraft for a decade before that. So I've been kind of professionally cooking um, for most of my career. Uh, I also grew up in a household where I was fortunate enough to have a mom who cooked a lot. She uh, comes from Tuscany. So I've always been around great food. And broth is like the center of a great kitchen forever. Like this whole this whole movement towards broth as a functional beverage. And the, you know, it, it's been so hot in the last five, six, seven years. Um, but the reality of it is, it's like, it's been, it's been at the center of chef's kitchens for, for hundreds of years. So um, I've been using hearth broth, which is one of our Brodo broths as the center of this kitchen for the past 17 years. Um, and the interesting thing is that, you know, in uh, like six years ago, I was going through kind of my own health crisis. And after 20 years of grinding really hard as a cook and a chef in New York City, I was like, I was just burnt out. Like I was a mess. I was drinking a lot of booze and I was smoking a lot of cigarettes and I was like running this restaurant every day and it's a brutal business. And um, I kind of hit a wall and I had this moment where I was like, I need to take care of myself. Cause you know, that's what happens when you hit 40. Um, and, uh, part of what I did is I subbed out my, you know, seven quart a day coffee habit. And, um, I subbed it out for broth and I started drinking broth cause it was so delicious and it was so hydrating and it just felt good. It was like a hug every day and it didn't <laughs> amp me up the way coffee amps me up. Um, and, and I started to realize great benefit from this daily habit of broth. So like I started to shed weight. I started to calm down. I started to kind of sleep better. I was able to not be so reactive and all of these things started happening. Um, and I was like, wow, like this is like a pretty powerful little shift in, in my whole world. So I decided to kind of put it into coffee cups and sell it out of the back door of hearth. 
Um, I called it Brodo because Brodo is the Italian word for bra. And, um, and the timing was kind of right. And, and people really responded to it. And it was like, it was extraordinary. Like the amount of love that came through this little window and encouragement, everybody was so excited to have broth in a coffee cup and they hadn't really seen it before. And kind of the rest is history. And like for the past five years now, uh, we've been growing our team and, and trying to get our broth in as many hands as we can. Um, you know, I like to say it's the world's first comfort food. Um, and what's also, I think, a great opportunity is that, you know, people think comforting foods have to be bad for you, like mac and cheese and pizza and hot chocolate chip cookies and all of those things that we, we emotionally crave and need, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with having food fill an emotional void, but it doesn't have to be bad for you. And like, when I drink this stuff, it, it feels like an emotional hug and it also happens to be incredibly good for you. So it's a real win-win scenario. I think our food system in this country needs more products that kind of satisfy your palate and your emotion and also give you functional benefit. And too often, I think we're, the trade-offs are, too, trade-offs are too many. It's like a lot of people are co- closing their nose and taking things in for the functional benefit. Um, and I think they're missing the point because food, food is, is so emotional and it's full of like love and it's full of things and it should also be nourishing and they shouldn't be different. They shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be separate. So that's why I'm so stoked about broth and like bringing it out into the world. Yeah, that's, that's a great point because, you know, one of the things we, that I've learned most coming off this whole 30 diet that we just did for the last month was I've had so many people come up to me and be like, man, how much was it killing you? How, how bad did you want to just go out and eat whatever, eat crappy, eat fast food? How bad were you just craving this stuff? And I'm like, well, never really. Like, I felt good. Like, the food was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, we enjoyed your, your broth. Uh, during our journey as well. And it is very hearty. It is very tasty. And it does just kind of like warm you up. Like you said, it does, it does feel like that, that comfort drink that you're looking for. So um, and I also, I also find it interesting that you started doing it just to, as like a sub, like, man, I need to get off coffee. And then along your journey, along the way, you started learning like, holy crap, there's some real like health benefits to this. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't like you researched it and were like, man, I need to find this little niche and what can I yeah. dig into? Like it kind of like was just like meant to be, right? It just kind of happened for you. That's so yeah. cool. So cool. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a light bulb moment, you know, like I, I didn't really know much about it. Like when I, when I decided I needed to like, rethink my life and my health and like what I focused on and stop being so singularly focused on the restaurant and the food and service every night, like a maniac. I started to like consume information around health and wellness, but like I really knew nothing, you know, this, you know, this idea of listening to your body, it was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> listen to your body? You know what I mean? Like I was running around like a maniac. I wasn't listening to my body. I didn't even know how to do that. So it was a bit of a light bulb moment. Um, and look, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm always very conscious of coming off as like a snake oil salesman because now I built Brodo and like, of course I want to get this into people's hands 
because I do believe it delivers on its promise. But like, it's also incredibly important to me that people educate themselves and understand that like a path to wellness is not, there's no silver bullet. You know what I mean? Like I did a lot. And you know, as you guys know, it's like, it's not just, it's not a, it's not a one, one size fits all world. And you have diet is just one of the levers, you know, you have to sleep well, you have to move well, you have to be smart about the way you move and understand the body mechanics of your body so you don't hurt yourself. I mean, there's so much out there to think about son, when you're truly trying to like optimize your health and wellness. Yeah, hundred percent. You you really got to figure it out. And and we've done all kinds of different diets and tried different stuff. And, you know, some stuff works better for me. Some stuff works better for court. And, and like you said, uh, it's probably the same, you know, with your broth, like you gotta, you gotta try it and, and really feel the benefits of it before, um, before you can actually like realize what it can do for you. What are, so you, you stumbled across these benefits yourself in drinking it, but have, what's the research behind your broth and the, and the bone marrow and, and what it can do? Is there, is there a ton of research behind it that can back, um, the way it makes you feel, or is this just a, a personal experience that you had? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's obviously there's debate over everything in the, in the world we live in today. Mm -hmm. So much debate out there. Um, and what I'll say about that is that, you know, there isn't a lot of science that looks at bone broth as a category, but there is science that looks at the parts of bone broth. So there might not be a study that says bone broth does this, but there are plenty of studies about the, the parts of bone broth. So the, the, the glutamine and the glycine and the collagen protein and the arginine and all of these component parts. And a lot of times you see, you see these on the shelf in, in like a, in a, a, a vitamin store, right? You could buy, you could buy all these things that are actually inherent in this product. And there, there is studies around the benefits of glycine and the benefits of glutamine and, and stuff. So you, you have to do a little bit of connecting dots. You know, there isn't a study that, that looks at bone broth by itself in a little capsule. Um, but, you know, <laughs> what I like to say is, like, our, our, our research science in this country has been quite flawed for a long time. And, and there's been a lot of talk and a lot of debate around, you know, follow the money. And it's just like, we've been, we've been told, a, we've been told a bogus bill of goods in this country around food for a very long time. So I really love to look at history and I love to look at tradition. And I'm a big fan of, you know, this notion of nourishing traditions from Sally Fallon. And it's basically like if you look at our species across the globe over centuries, you know, you'll see things in common. And it's like, you know, boiling the bones of animals to get the nourishment out of those bones and into a delicious liquid. That's, we've been doing that as humans on this planet for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And for me, I, I, that, that resonates with me more than some study at some university that was funded by who knows who. Right, like, yeah. I really like to look at history and tradition. Um, it, it really drives my decisions around what I decide to put in my mouth. And it's like, you know, processed food is not, 
you know, it's like, I love this notion of if your great grandmother doesn't recognize it as food, you probably shouldn't put it in your body. <laughs> I think that that's a great, I like that study. My great grandma would be all pierogies, I think. So that would be, <laughs> no, I love the, the mentioning of like supplements. I feel like you go into a store now and it's just this whole wall of all these things. And you mentioned doing the whole 30 and everyone's saying, what are you craving? What are you craving? And I feel like what we are eating and actual food and not allowing anything processed, we are getting probably all of those benefits. Whereas some people are probably just consuming whatever they want and then trying to kind of play for the tie and just take a bunch of pills. And you mentioned like all of the ingredients in this, like you can check those off instead of being like, Oh, I need to make sure I get this supplement or that supplement to, you know, check that box. Like to be able to get it from the source has to just be so much more fulfilling on a body and beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, people think they could like out exercise a bad diet and they think they could supplement their way, uh, to health even though they're, they're consuming a bad diet. And it's just like, it really, um, that's really a backwards way of thinking about it. It's like the food we put in our mouth and the beverages we put in our mouth, I think are the key driver of health without question. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, we're both big soup people. Like we, we love going to restaurants and finding soup. And my favorite part about it is the broth, right? Like I love whatever you eat, you eat what's in the soup, but like, I love the broth. Like I can literally pick up the bowl and just drink it. And whether it's chicken noodle soup or albonagus or whatever it is that we're having. <laughs> and so this kind of discovery of bone broth is kind of like exciting for me because I already loved it. But you know, when you get a cup of noodles from, you know, uh, 7-Eleven and you fill it up and the broth's just full of a bunch of sodium and it's not really that good for you, but it tastes amazing. Now we have that same chicken broth, right? But it's healthy for you and it's good for you and it's not full of all the sodium. So like that's where I'm fired up about this stuff and the flavors that you have uh, are incredible. Um, you want to talk about some of the different flavors that you've been able to come up with and, and put out there because... Uh, I would love that. we have, we have them all and, and we're going through them right now, trying them. And, uh, let me tell you, we That's haven't so been disappointed yet. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, look, there's nothing I love more than talking about broth. So I'll stay on all day long and tell you about our broth. Uh, um, so we have four base broths today. One of them is a vegetarian broth that's made with shiitake and kelp. And it, while it doesn't have the functional benefits of the collagen based meat based broth, it still is a nutritious and delicious medium for cooking and drinking. Um, so we love that broth. Uh, it's a seaweed mushroom broth. And then we have three meat-based broths. One is your standard chicken broth. Um, and then we have a, a broth. And then we have my signature broth, which is what we call hearth broth. And that's named after my restaurant. And that's a blend of turkey, beef, and chicken. And that's really the Italian brodo. That's the broth I was lucky enough to grow up on. When you mix all of the meats and you add tomato to it, it becomes very, very savory. Um, and, you know, the cool thing about what we're doing at Brodo, which I didn't realize that it's not how broth is made in the commercial world, is like we're boiling, we're, we're boiling bones, we're boiling organic vegetables, we're sourcing these bones from super clean, 100% grass-fed animals, um, 
and you know the yields are really low and the cook times are really long and i got to tell you that's very very rare in the broth space like all the powders all the pills many of the shelf stable broths like the notion of shelf stable meat like wigs me out it's <laughs> yeah. like you know i don't know like spam for instance like that's a shelf stable meat um i don't i don't it, it just doesn't feel right to me to consume a meat product that doesn't go bad at room temperature. It freaks me out. So anyway, <laughs> I digress. So we're in frozen and uh, we're making it the right way with really quality ingredients. Um, and then what we're really interested about uh, this year, we're going to come out with some of the drinks that we do in our shop. So we also have broth shops. We have four of them in Manhattan and, um, you know, as a chef, I've known this, but like as a drink, it's kind of fun because now I, I start buzzing things into the hot broth. So imagine like fresh turmeric or fresh ginger or a pat of good grass fed butter or, um, you know, mortar and pestled herbs. And then you pour the hot broth on top of it and mix it all together. And you really have a platform to create all kinds of like delicious combination drinks and um so we finally got it over the line and we'll be coming out with that nationally on brodo.com we'll be doing some of our best sellers one is a deeply rooted which is uh chicken broth with um turmeric and ginger the other one is spicy nona which is a uh, calabrian chili and garlic uh and then we have a sunday roast which is mushroom and garlic and a tom yum which is like curry oh and chili, um, and coconut milk for some extra fat. So these combo drinks that have been such a hit in our shops are finally going to be available in, in grocery and, and on brodo.com. And we like, I'm so thrilled because those are the, you know, being in front of guests every day in our shop is like what drives my joy and what drives me out of bed every morning. And to bring it you know, to a larger audience is something that I'm so, so stoked about. You had me at the spicy and the Tom Yum. That's yeah, my... that's the way to court's heart right there, Tom Yum. Justin can... will try to <laughs> eat some of my spicy food, and he's like, I'm sweating under my eyes. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But like, <laughs> you're so... that's awesome. he'll always try it, though. It's I know it's been so eye opening, like the you mentioned, like the shelf stable and I keep bringing up the whole 30 cause I feel like it just was able to guide us to like eating cleaner and yeah. reading labels has been, I feel like I always would like glance and you're like, okay, added sugar or whatever. But seeing how many like preserved, like in things that we ate every single day and like added stuff, it was alarming. I think that was probably my biggest takeaway from, from doing this is looking at things and even stuff like going through our fridge. I'm like, okay, what, condiments or what sauce it all this and like looking and you're like oh my gosh why does it have this why does it have shellac yeah. or like whatever it's <laughs> like silica or i don't know preservatives and all this stuff you're like oh okay that's why the spaghettios with meatballs can like sit in your cabinet for three years and still be yeah. <laughs> okay for consumption so yeah it's been yeah, alarming to, <laughs> to say the least yeah you know there's such a need for better information and better education out there and it's like you know, a simple idea, like, I always fall upon this because I think it's really confusing and, like, and I kind of educate myself for a while now around nutrition and health and, and it's still confusing, which is, 
people don't understand this idea of like fat versus carbohydrate. And it's like, everybody wants to demonize carbohydrate. And, you know, there's all this debate about is fat good? Is it bad? Is, are carbs good or are carbs bad? And it's like, there's never a qualitative conversation, right? And like, there, there has to be a qualitative conversation about any food you're talking about. So there's a difference between the packaged bread that's shelf stable in the supermarket and a, and a bread that you might make at home with freshly milled flour and natural yeast. And there's only four ingredients and you let it ferment for 24 hours and then you bake it and enjoy it with like some grass fed butter. Like, yeah, that's very <laughs> different than going to Seven Eleven and getting a bagel yeah. with cream cheese. You know what I mean? And yeah, like different carbs. And, Not... and there's nuance there. And like, there's just, there's no time for nuance and there's no time for those kind of, you know, pointed, thoughtful conversations. And I think it's really a missed opportunity in, in the nutritional space because you have to have those conversations. And like, even something like, you know, fat, like one little teaspoon of fat has a lot of calories, but a bowl this big full of spinach has like, it looks like so much more food, but it's way less calories. And like, that's confusing, yeah. you know? That's yeah. confusing to people. It's like vegetables are carbohydrates. And everybody wants to say carbohydrates are bad. Yeah. Well, it's like, no, simple carbs in the processed form are bad. Yeah. Because guess what? An onion and a carrot and spinach and kale and a lemon, those are all carbohydrates. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. think a lot of people miss that, you know? Yeah, not all carbs and not all fats are created equal, right? They're, they're all... Correct. It depends on how you look at it and how they're they're made and created and yeah and, and that was that that was part of the thing that helped us get through the whole thirty was being able to eat fruits and, and vegetables like if they were to, if they because obviously it's a no added sugar right and there's a, a lot of sugar in, in a lot of fruits if they were to cut out the fruits I don't know if we would have made it that would no have been, I that would have been tough for us I ran into a guy in the supermarket the other day and yeah. he was like oh I did it without any fruit and I was like. Well, bless you, but I did not do that. <laughs> That'd be tough. Needed the fruit, but I, I do, I do Whole Thirty probably twice a year. I usually do it in September, and I do it in January because, like, usually August is some kind of decadent vacation where I eat too much ice cream and drink too much <laughs> wine, and then the holidays I'm definitely eating too much and drinking too much. So, like, in January and in September, I, I try to do a Whole Thirty, and I hear you, man. It's like that fruit. Having a little piece of fruit after dinner is so critical to my success. Yeah. It, it, so you, you have that sugar, you know, we, we need that sugar fix, yeah. sadly. For sure, for we sure. We were able to do it out here in spring training because we're obviously not really going anywhere traveling because it does require a lot of planning and a lot of, like, research and everything. Like, you had to, like, overhaul yeah. what we were having for, like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and, and all of that. So I feel like this is going to be our like March will be our like whole 30 month. I would like to do it. I mean, I feel like you have to continue kind of eating that way and, or at least close to it, at least coming off of it. I feel like I was nervous. I'm like, I don't know how to break this. Like, I don't know. Cause after not having something yeah. for a minute, you're like, I don't want the headaches and I don't want that. But then you're pro like, I've been thinking, Oh, if I come off of this and then I eat this and then I feel tired or I feel bloated or I have a headache. Like, what is that telling me about this thing that I used exactly. to be eating? So it's just, 
like I said, been like completely eye-opening for me. Yeah. Is there anything you, you avoid or you do when, cause you said you do the whole 30 a couple times a year, like when you're coming off of it, um, you just stick straight to bone broth to <laughs> wean your way out. No. Straight into a seven day bone broth. Uh, whole, 30, whole, whole 30 at its essence is a, an elimination diet. Uh-huh. So the idea is you don't need all this stuff. And then one by one, you put them back to learn what your body says. Like, so you could learn if you're you know, have an aversion towards dairy or an aversion towards gluten or an aversion towards whatever. So the first time I did it a couple of years back, I was really keen on this idea of testing what I reintroduced. And man, I'm so happy to report that like I had no, I, there weren't any foods that like triggered a really bad response. And boy, I was really happy because as a chef, yeah. And a lover of food my whole life, I was really fearful of like being told that dairy is a no-no or gluten was a no-no. And like I remember the first thing I did is I ate a big ball of mozzarella cheese Oof. with a ton of olive oil on it. <laughs> and uh, I was just like praying to God that I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't say I couldn't have it and like and then I did the next day I think I did pizza and bread and and um and, you know, fortunately, I wasn't, I, I, I didn't have a bad response. So, but I, I still am very conscious. Like, I, I stay away from processed foods. I don't, you know, package, I, I'm not interested. And it's, it, it's awesome because, look, once you get a love for real food and, like, you start working with things like broth and cooking and eating good meat and eating good vegetables that are grown locally, and once you, like, embrace that lifestyle of whole food um i think you you it's not it's not even difficult it's like i don't crave i don't crave pop tarts or i don't crave <laughs> box i don't crave yeah. box shelf stable big food like i look at that ing- i don't even see it as food anymore I, I look at those ingredient panels and i'm like no i, I have no interest so it, it's kind of great um and I think whole uh, things like Whole30 really, it might be hard at first, but it really pushes people towards this idea of like understanding what we're meant to eat as humans. Yeah. As omnivores. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And as much as I love talking about Whole30, you know, we're not on here to talk about Whole30. We're here to talk about your broth and talk <laughs> about Brodo. So I want to hear more about these shops, these drive through um, drive through walk up, dri- or these walk up. Like, the drive throughs are coming. Don't worry. Like what's? <laughs> <laughs> I know you started out of your restaurant as a window where people could walk up and grab a cup of broth yep. and and go on with with their day. And then now you you said you have four locations where there's walk up windows to have it. What's the ultimate goal for this? Is this like, uh, what what's the dream? Do you want this to be on every other corner next to Starbucks where people can have an alternative to coffee. Instead of going to get coffee, they can go instead of their $8 Starbucks, they can go and get their, I don't, I don't know what your pricing is. I don't want to, but grab your $4 cup of broth or whatever it is. So, you know, we have, um, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, COVID COVID has kind of poured our focus into brodo.com. And, you know, the shop suffered through 2020. We're still standing and, like, we really filled a void for our communities and it's something we're really very proud of. Um, but our focus in the short term is growing our Brodo.com business um, and and kind of uh, – and grocery as well. And 
I would say we press pause on the shop, but I believe that we will unpress pause on the shops at some point. Um, you know, before COVID, I was saying for every 50 Starbucks, there needs to be a broth shop. Mm-hmm. And, and I really believe that. Like, I, I think, you know, having an alternative beverage, you know, the, that hot beverage market hasn't changed in this country in a hundred years. It's yeah. like, it's been hot tea, hot cocoa and coffee forever. Mm-hmm. And like, this is an innovative, delicious, traditional, uh, healthful new beverage category, in my opinion. And I would like to grow the hell out of it because I really believe in it. And I, and, and I watch our customers in New York city respond to it and they make a daily habit of it and and it delivers on the promise of health. So I'm really excited by that. Um, it's just on pause for the moment. And we've really been trying to build a subscription business and a Brodo.com business. We have a thousand subscribers today and it's growing pretty well. And again, like our best marketing is from the people that buy us because mm-hmm. they start drinking it. And kind of like the way I founded the window, it's like you start consuming this stuff on the daily and it delivers. And, and that's the best marketing there can be. It's like, our customers come back to it again and again. They tell their friends about it. They might go out and try others, but I ultimately I feel like they come back to Brodo because it's delicious and it makes them feel better. And um, so little by little, we're growing this company. You know, look, startups is a hard game. And, you know, raising money and building your business and raising money, it's like it's not really my – I'm not – I'm a chef and I'm a creative. And thankfully I have, you know, a great CEO and Andrew Garner and a great team of people around me that are helping me grow the business. Cause it's not really my forte. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'd rather stir the pot and make the broth. <laughs> Literally. Um, but I've been learning a lot along the way. And, um, and you know, look, we delivered a 50, 50 states today via e-commerce and that business is growing and uh, we're broadening our product line. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in the R&D pipeline, as they say, that I'm super excited about. And, you know, I, and, I, and I really believe in Frozen. Like, I think Frozen is, there, there's so much opportunity in Frozen because you don't need, you know, you don't need preservatives and you don't need bad ingredient panels. And it kind of blows my mind that frozen food through the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and even till today those ingredient panels are filled with like junky stuff and it's like but frozen does it so like i don't understand why yeah you need to put junk when you're freezing it because that's like the best that's like the all natural preservative so Mm -hmm. we're very proud of our ingredient panels on our product and it's like there's nothing you don't recognize it's all organic and it's all like carrot celery onion like things you recognize um, and I really want to bring that approach and widen our offering and, you know, and create a line of like a Brodo broth based product, you know, whether it be a braised piece of super clean chicken or a beef stew or maybe a, a pot pie or whatever it may be. There's so many opportunities to use broth and, and kind of grow what it is we're offering to the public. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So if anyone wanted to go and is interested right now in your broth, how do they find it? How do they order it? They go on your website, um, yep. go on there, place your order. It'll, you guys will pack it up, ship it out of New York, and it gets here. Ours took, how long did it take to get here? A couple of days, uh, two, three yeah. days, something like that? Yeah. It's usually two days. Yeah. We have a fulfillment. We have a, we have a partner fulfillment company on the West coast and one on the East coast. So we can get anywhere in two days. We have this really great packaging that's corn based that you run underwater and it disappears. So there's no, there's no styrofoam. Oh yeah. Um, I was intrigued by that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely <laughs> really noticed cool. that. I, I pulled it out and was like examining it. I was like, this is actually kind of cool. It's so fun. Run it, so- under, run it underwater and watch it disappear. It's like a little magic show. There's so much um, packaging, I feel like, and everyone getting everything shipped now. It's alarming yeah. how much we end up with. So I, it definitely caught my eye. Well, that's like a whole nother yeah. hot topic right now is sustainable material and yeah. being able to do your packaging with that Absolutely. is also a huge plus. Absolutely. So while um, we try to be as conscious as we can about that stuff. And uh, so, yeah, brodo.com. There's a ton of information there. There's a lot of recipes there. Um, and all of our products are there. And we're gearing up for a big relaunch because we're going to have new products and new packaging and those combo drinks I told you about. And it's all coming. And it's just like it's really exciting times. And, you know, COVID has been hard on all of us, but like, you know, the team here at Brodo, we've been really excited and motivated to bring a product that is additive to people's health, you know, into, into more households. So it's really, it's been very gratifying work. And, um, I just, I feel very lucky and grateful to like be able to be on this show with you guys and just spread a traditional food that just like delivers on a promise. Yeah. You mentioned the the past year and COVID and obviously what that did to everyone's livelihood and businesses was the window, assuming the window was able to be opened. Did that, what did that look like? That had to, you mentioned this is like that hug and I feel like being able to have the window open and people come up and, and grab your product. I feel like that had to feel kind of like a little sense of community, you know, being able to still see everyone join you. That, that's the thing I love most about the shops. It's like we're in all these neighborhoods and, and it's like, the, you know, the people who understand broth and understand what we're doing, it's like a great tribe of people. And they've, you know, it, it's a mutual respect that we have for one another. And we were providing them with nourishment and they were grateful to have us open and a place to go. Cause like for a while in New York city, it was super dark, man. Like, it was, we, we, it was a bad, it was a bad bunch of months for a while. And we're super proud of the fact that we stayed open and connected and there was a lot of fear and there was a lot of, um, you know, it was really tough times and, uh, you know, spreading a little bit of warmth and nourishment is something that we all needed, like us included. So it was really, um, it was, it was kind of a special time for us. Yeah, I agree. And I think the two biggest things, well, I mean, there's a lot of things to take from, from this pandemic and, and what's going on, but like two things that I've kind of realized is a huge need for like mental health awareness, but also a huge need for health awareness. And people are realizing, you know, 
some of the consequences that could possibly be in front of them if they don't make healthier choices, right? And, and the effect that it can have on their life. So I really think our country who was such a like, fast food country and I don't want to offend court because she grew up as a fast food girl, but um, true. even, even she's realizing obviously through after this diet that we just did the benefits of eating great. But I think the whole country is kind of shifting and looking for healthier options and better ways to maintain their health um, because of this pandemic. So I think um, this space that you're in this, this broth space I think is going to blow up. Uh, your product is unbelievable. The flavor so good. And it's just great to have beneficial uh, food that tastes good, looks good, is easy to make, and, uh, yep. you know, you get to reap all the benefits from it health-wise. So uh, we're, we're excited to have you on here, Marco, and uh, we're uh, praying for your product. We're praying for your health, praying for everything uh, to just be successful going forward, and we will be uh, consumers uh constantly ordering more of your broth because it is delicious. So thank you for coming on here today. Um, I don't know if you have right, anything right. else you want to share before you get out of here, but uh, again, no, brodo.com. Yeah. You know, this is the sort of thing that I, I love about just existing and growing a business. It's like meeting guys like you doing things like this and just spreading spreading a little bit of knowledge about the importance of food. And it's like, it's what drives me out of bed every day. So I'm super thankful to you guys for having me and giving me this platform to kind of, you know, talk a little bit about broth and Brodo. I really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Absolutely. And uh, when we come to New York this year, if you want to come check out a game, you'll have to let us know. We'll, uh, Yes, please. Come that over to awesome. City Field. See We're there us, in uh, August, I think. Yeah. August, yeah. Before you go, I want to ask like a quick, maybe like lunch recipe because I have so I feel like with friends or anything, people will have a juice or a broth, and they're like, "Oh, I need to chew. I need to like have this be like kind of a meal to feel like you're not just having a beverage that needs a meal." So hit me with like a quick thing I can do in the kitchen for lunch with the broth to kind of maybe prolong or hold off my hunger until dinner. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. And I, I have one that comes to mind immediately, which is um, in Italy, there, there's an egg drop soup called stracciatella. And basically you crack, you crack two eggs, you beat them with a fork the way you're making scrambled eggs. Uh, you could put a little Parmesan or nutmeg or salt and pepper, or maybe basil in the eggs when you whip them. Um, and then you bring a pot of the broth to a boil you know, like 12 ounces or 16 ounces, bring it to a boil, turn it off, dump the egg in it and put a lid on it for like two minutes. And what happens is the egg will float to the top and it'll form like a little bit of an omelet on top. Ooh. And then, and then two minutes later, it's all cooked and you use a whisk and you break it up and the eggs turn into little rags. And it's basically an Italian egg drop soup. Oh, um, wow. And you could also, you could also wilt like baby spinach leaves in there or like chopped kale, any green you want, you yes. could put it in there with the eggs and the broth will cook it. And then you have like an Italian egg drop soup with like greens and Parmesan and olive oil. And it's just like so much protein and flavor and nutrients. And it's like, I do, I probably do that at least once a week. That sounds so good. I love it. We girls. might be having that for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're doing that today. I love that. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Brodo.com. And yeah, Marco, this was amazing. I'm, I'm excited. Awesome. I feel Thanks. like I got my broth now, but now I have my new ideas. So yeah, we appreciate cool. you. We're looking forward to seeing you in August. Yeah. Let me host you at one of our shops. Let me host you. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Okay. Definitely. All right, Marco. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. That was really cool. I feel like we tend to have more sports type guests on here. So I think it's cool to be able to kind of branch out and talk to someone a little different and get a different perspective. And yeah, I feel like we did learn a lot. That was our goal. <laughs> yeah. And, and like you said before, we brought Marco on like just the tie in with the whole 30 and to hear his experience with it. And then you know, everything that he's gone through in New York through this pandemic. And um, it was just refreshing to hear a success story. Yeah, that was cool. And then also Marco was cool enough to send a promo code. I'm so excited. Uh -oh. Our first holding court promo code. This is our first. I know. It's it's cool because I feel like if people want to give it a whirl, they can. So Turner 15 for 15% off Brodo.com. Yeah, see, this is one of our, this is going to be one of our longer episodes. So if you made it to the end, you're getting a promo code out of it. Yeah, I'll post it on, on social as no well. No way, make them get to the end of the, <laughs> of the pod. We'll see, we'll see. No, we'll have to post it. But yeah, okay. that's cool. We can post so it. you can give it a shot if you like it. And it sounded like it was of interest to you. So thanks again to Marco for joining us today. And thank you all for hanging out with us. And we will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs> See ya.